are listening to Be Still and Know, a ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. I am Reverend Nick Phillips, and in today's message, we are looking at Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 to 32, as we continue looking at the Sermon on the Mount. But before we begin, I invite you to join me in prayer. Lord, as we gather today, as we enter into your presence, we just acknowledge that you are with us, that you are always with us. And that you speak to us in many different ways. And Lord, as we gather here, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You who are our strength, our rock, and our redeemer. Amen. Love is one of the most beautiful things in the world, is it not? We love going to things like weddings and seeing a couple, two people, make a public announcement to commit themselves and to honor one another through marriage. We love those sappy love stories and movies. What is it about love that triggers such a response within us? What is it about love that makes us feel this way, so much so that we'll commit ourselves into a relationship with someone and one person and one person only? Love makes us do some pretty crazy things, too. Makes us spend a pile of money. Gifts, rings, weddings, parties, honeymoons, anniversaries, Valentine's Day, just to name a few. I know of two couples that are on separate vacations in the last couple of weeks, one in uh, Cuba, one in Mexico, and after a long-time relationship together, they both ended up being engaged on their vacation. I remember October 1997. I was in Ottawa on a recruiting trip for Nortel, and I came home with a job offer. While I was in Ottawa, I missed Bev's birthday. Not that I would have seen her anyway, because I was still at school at Acadia, and Bev was actually working here in Sydney at the time. Um, But don't worry. Anyway, don't worry. I I did set up an automated program that sent her an email every hour on the hour to make sure she knew I was wishing her a happy birthday. And so I came home with that job offer. I went back to school for the week, and later in the week, I went to the store, and I bought the ring. And Friday morning after classes, I got in my car and made the the long drive from the valley to Bev's parents' house where we were going to meet up for the weekend. And when I get out of the car, I said, wow, that was a long drive. Let's go for a walk. And so we walked down to the Orangedale Wharf, and there I proposed. I should point out that the day I proposed was Halloween. The best part of it, though, is as I was driving from the valley to Cape Breton, there was a song on the radio. It's called Spooky. (laughs) And the third verse goes like this. Just like a ghost, ghost, you've been a-hunting my dreams, so I'll propose on Halloween. Love is kind of crazy with a spooky little girl like you. (laughs) When I heard that, I just burst out laughing. Little did we know at that what the next 22 years would hold for us, but we were ready to make that journey together. Now, have all 22 of these years been complete marital bliss? No. Like any couple, we've had our ups, we've had our downs, we've had our challenges. Ironically, it was probably my time in seminary that challenged our marriage the most. But we persevered, we pushed through, And here we are today, probably stronger than we've ever been, I think. Bev may think differently, I don't know. (laughs) We're not perfect, 
But honestly, who is? Love is not as easy as the movies try to make it out to be. We're not all princes and princesses, are we? We, have, we are our own individual people. We have our differences. We have our own needs, our own desires. <clears throat> we have our own perks. We have our own little annoyances. We just need to find a way to live together and manage those differences as best we can. Love takes work. And those of you who you have been married 50, 60 years, amazing. It's a lot of work, but good work. Now, today in our reading from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about adultery and, re- and divorce. Two topics that often make us squirm a little bit, especially when Jesus is talking about them. I think part of the reason we squirm is that because adultery and divorce seem to be so commonplace now. I mean, what does statistics tell us? Half of all marriages, 50% of all marriages end in divorce. Imagine, 50%. That number is staggering to me. And you wonder, why is it so high? And then you look at adultery. Again, adultery seems to be commonplace. Happens, seems to happen regularly. So what is going on in our world where divorce and adultery seem to be so commonplace? Let's see what Jesus has to say on the subject, I guess. Now last, week we looked, or last time we were together, we looked at what Jesus was saying about forgiveness. He said we need to be in right relationship with others. And if there's a grievance, then we must fix it. And if part of that process of fixing it means we need to forgive someone, then forgiveness must happen. Now up to this point, there's been an underlying theme in the Sermon on the Mount. I don't know if you picked it up, but I have mentioned it a number of times. That it's about relationship. God sent Jesus to make it easier for us to have a relationship with our Father in Heaven. God wants a deep personal relationship with you, and he wants us to have healthy relationships with others. If we engage in adultery, if we divorce, then we're breaking relationships. Now, Jesus does say that there are circumstances under which uh, divorce is acceptable. And he mentions sexual immorality or adultery. I would add physical or emotional abuse to that as well. If someone is abusing you, then you need to get somewhere safe. If someone's cheating on you, then you need to get somewhere safe. There are many other reasons people cite for divorce. And most of them boil down to relationship. Couples grow apart, they say. And that's often a breakdown in the relationship, a breakdown in communication. They say they don't feel fulfilled or, or uh, appreciated. Again, that's a breakdown in the communication. Marriage takes work. It takes communication. It takes intentional maintenance to, and, and amending of relationship. If you don't maintain your car, if you don't maintain your home, over time, those do not provide the function that they were designed to do. The same goes for your marriage. It takes work and maintenance. Marriage is designed to be between a couple, and a Christian marriage is, is to extend that relationship to include God. And a good Christian marriage... Man uh, glorifies God because God is an integral part of the relationship. When we take God out of the relationship, that's when it gets harder to maintain. We need God in every aspect of our lives, including our marriage. Another problem that we're seeing now is the prevalence of various forms of pornography. 
It's everywhere of, of some form. It's on our televisions. It's in our movies. It's easily found on the internet. It's even in social media. It's not that hard to find right now. Pornography was what's a, a, a dark subject that no one ever talked about. It was in the back of closets or basement corners. But now it's everywhere. If you have a smartphone, you can have pornography at your fingertips. Why? Like it, it, so there's this Jesus, this warning that Jesus tell, gives us about looking lustfully is hard to avoid these days. Companies are using sex to sell pretty much anything, and it works. Why? Because we're inherently weak creatures. Sex is one of our primitive functions. In the animal kingdom, there are a couple of natural instincts, one of which is, is to eat to survive. The other which is, is to reproduce so that the species continues. Those are kind of the two big natural drives. There are many others, but those are kind of the two big ones. And companies know this because it's science. So they leverage it to sell their products and make a profit. They use attractive people to kind of trigger that natural instinct within us. It works because sex rewires our brain. Sex helps us form a bond with our partner. But pornography also rewires our brains as well. But not to connect us to our partners, to someone or something else. And this is not a good thing because when we're not bonding with our partner, it leads to breaking of relationship. The relationships that are most important to us, the people who are around us, our loved ones, our spouse, our family, even our friends, and even our relationship with God can become broken by this. Well, you could say God created this way. We are sexual beings, and you're right. He created us to be people who can have children to keep the species prolonged. He also created us, though, to be committed to one partner for life. We've broken sex, and we've, we've, we've even broken marriage to suit the needs of our own sinful desires. This is not how God planned it. God gave us marriage and even sex to enhance our relationship with our partners and even our relationship with God. You know, whenever they come out with a new technology, you know, video or whatever, you know who the first is to adopt it? Is it television, Hollywood? Is it uh, video games? No, it's none of those. Pornography is always the first to jump on a new technology. They're always the first to profit from it. And boy, do they ever profit. Statistics say that over 100 million, over 100 million people visit the largest porn site every day. There are about 5 million different porn sites on the internet right now, about half of which are in the United States. 40% of Americans see pornography as morally acceptable. The industry alone makes about $17 billion every year. Statistics also tell us that married millennials are having less sex than previous generations. This is largely due to porn. The stats are alarming to me when we look at our society. Study after study shows the negative effects of porn addiction on individuals, couples, families, work. Addiction of any kind impacts every, uh, every aspect of your life. This is not how God 
designed sex and marriage. So you have to wonder what Jesus might have to, us, have to say to us today when he sees the state of the world as it is, when we can have this uh, addiction right on our fingertips, wherever we go. Jesus says in Matthew 5, 28-29, But I tell you, anyone that looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. This is good advice. A little extreme maybe, but good advice nonetheless. If there is something in your life that causes you to sin, get rid of it. Now gouging out your eye, or as it says later, chopping off your hand and throwing it away, may seem like a bit much, but it's practical. If you look at it practically, if you're addicted to pornography, for instance, then take measures to remove your accessibility to it. There is software that you can buy that will block your access. If that doesn't work, then you need to take more drastic measures. Maybe you need to get rid of your phone, your iPad, or even your computer so that the temptation is gone from your sight. We cannot let sin rule our lives. You can get help through counseling. You can, another important step is to trust in God and talk to him in prayer about how you can remove whatever sin it is from your life. We cannot hide our sin from God. He knows everything we do. He sees you wherever you are. So if you think you can ignore it in your prayer time, you're fooling yourself. God wants to help you overcome any and all sin that you find in your life. And this can work for any sin. If you struggle with something, an addiction, an attitude, a habit, seek God's help as to how to remove it from your life and be prepared to do whatever it takes. Sin breaks relationships. Sin even inhibits our relationship with God. If we want to be in full relationship with our Father in heaven, then we need to be ready to remove sin from all of our life, and along with that, anything that causes the temptation to sin. Think about alcoholics. What do they do? They get rid of the alcohol in their home. They take this temptation away from them. It works for any kind of sin. If the sin is in your life, then it's going to be tempting you. You need to remove it. And I can promise you it is worth it. It really is. Just as we talked about the power of forgiveness last time and how great it is to remove these burdens from our lives, it's the same way with sin, whatever sin it may be. Sin weighs us down, and that's why we need to remove it and be set free as only God can set us free. God wants to restore our relationships. He wants to be, us to be close to our spouses, our kids, our friends. He wants us to be close to him as well. So he offers us healing. He offers us hope. He offers us love, which we cannot find in internet or magazines. The love of a spouse is, is found in a committed relationship of marriage. To love and support through good and through bad for as long as you both shall live. God offers us the love of his son who gave his life for our own so we may have life, life on this earth and life with our father for all eternity in his heavenly kingdom. May we know the healing power of this love as we seek to remove our sin from our lives. 
and live in the joy that our Father in heaven offers us all. A joy of knowing not only his love in our own lives, but the joy of others, seeing others discover the joy for themselves in their own lives as they realize the love of the Father that he has for them. We can find ourselves trapped in a prison of our own making as sin captures us and enslaves us to things which break relationships. Relationships with each other and relationship with God. But God sets us free from, from the prison. He opens the gate and shows us the way he wants us to live our lives for him, for his glory. May we receive all he offers us today as we lay down our sin and embrace the incredible love of God in our hearts as we seek to live for him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you are willing to set us free from the, those things which uh, keep us in chains and bondage. Lord, when we turn to you, you will set us free. You will open the gates. You will uh, release the chains. And we can walk with you. So God, as we identify those things with which we struggle, we ask for your freedom to come into our lives so that we may walk with you and Jesus, both in this life and forevermore. Be with us, O God, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Be Still and Know, a ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. To learn more about our ministry, please visit our website, www.carmenunited.ca May God bless you this day.